The following episode contains explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. From the Ron McKeefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Wynn and Flat talks to us about why strength coaches need a strict set of criteria for performance evaluations rather than a popularity contest, the important role of scaling your time and efforts for optimum efficiency, and the difference between accreditation and education and why there needs to be a distinction between the two. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being a strength coach is difficult. And someone once said on our podcast, we pour so much into helping our athletes become better, but we forget who's pouring back into us to help us become better. Without a healthy mind, coaching on the floor, programming, and maintaining the juggling act that we call life can be difficult. The good news is the therapists at BetterHelp are here to help you. Therapy can be whatever we want it to be. Maybe you need the tools to help you keep motivated, or maybe you're feeling burnt out from long days in the weight room, or you just need someone to talk to. BetterHelp is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist at a time that works for you. We have a very busy schedule as a strength coach, and the last thing we need to do is be driving to an office and sitting in a waiting room. Simply log into your account and message or speak to your therapist from anywhere at a time that works for you. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. BetterHelp also assesses your needs and will match you with one of over 20,000 therapists in their network. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself and make your mind your best asset. We train to keep our bodies strong and resilient. Now it's time to invest in our mental health too. And as a special offer to Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 listeners, you can get 10% off your month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash chalk. That's betterhelp.com slash C-H-A-L-K. And thanks again for BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. The Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 podcast is brought to you by Play. Listen in on a conversation with Play's Global Director of Performance and Education, Coach Mike Bewley. Coach Bewley describes the vision of how Play will continue to be the company that will propel the innovation of the strength and conditioning profession forward. Well, after 22 years of, of coaching, I've learned that connection trumps communication and that it's not enough for coaches to know that you care. And I think you got to take that a step further. They need to experience that you care. And I've always been a coach that tried to be more uh, transformational than transactional. And so with that awareness in mind too, I always enjoyed 
working and learning and talking to other people and, and coaches and developing that camaraderie. I've always made myself available to the community because I remember how hard it was too to try to get a crack into this this profession. And, and uh, I promised myself if ever I was given a shot, I would never take advantage of that. I always allow myself to uh, help other people uh, chase their dreams in this profession. It's been very good to me. Play is a company that will help your strength conditioning program find solutions for all your needs. Review second best and check them out at play.us for more information. No, definitely. And we're all grateful for it because your content now is Thank you. you know, it, it's, it's, it's awesome. Spicy. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. But, and, and also even on the strength coach network, like the fundamentals and all that stuff, it's just, it's lights out. It's great stuff. Thank and, you. um, you know, I feel you that I, I train, I switch locations and admin and everything in July, but for the same reason, it's just like, look, this, I mean, it has to stop either you're allowing it or you're, you're just, you're gonna you're either gonna take it or you're gonna do something about it. So I told you, it's, like, it's like a bad wife syndrome. Every, everyone's like, "Oh my god, they treat me so they so badly. It's so cruel and blah blah blah." And then the second they leave, they're like, "Oh, can I get back in?" Right, <laughs> exactly. So now, Leah, we all know there's a definitely a, a problem, and I don't think it's sometimes it's malicious, but like a lot of times it sounds like it's just there's a big disconnect between admin and strength coach or admin and the sport coach. And how would you say, would you recommend strength coaches fix that? Do you, would you say we should become administrators and be get to those higher levels? And we are the ones that quantify what good performance looks like and start paying us like that. Or is there another way do you think? Um, if, if it's not going to be that way, it's going to rely on, administrators and and higher ups having the judgment to appoint people that are qualified to have an opinion because if the uh if the people picking for a given job have no qualification whatsoever to distinguish good work from bad what information they're going to use to make that decision they're going to be have their opinion swayed by equally uninformed people or things that don't matter. Like, Oh my God, this person has great energy or look at all the other teams that he's been. So they outsource their decision-making to other factors. Um, so in order to break that cycle, it's probably going to have to have somebody rise up to that level and then start to be really objective. I think in how they appoint and evaluate physical preparation coaches. So saying this is the profile of an elite coach. And we actually did this. We tried to do this with the career audit on, on SCN. So we said, right, what, what is the requisite uh, knowledge systems, how they think, how they organize everything? How do they, how do they evaluate athletes? How do they monitor and adjust the program? What are their interpersonal skills? How, what are their intrapersonal skills? And then we, we, we define exactly what it is we're looking for. And then we define that we, we measure those things. Can we measure them? If we can't measure them objectively, can we do it subjectively? Then evaluating staff and saying, right, this is where you're at with all these different things. Uh, you know, yes, you're good enough. No, you're not good enough. Come in. Here's the plan of action. Just as you will with an athlete. What's the priority of things that you need to address? What action can we take? How do we implement a plan, revisit and see the progress that you've made? 
and also having an established set of, of criteria by which you're going to evaluate a strength coach. So if you imagine at the extreme end, you have jobs where there is one number that you live and die by, and that that's going to be the evaluation of how good you are at your job and whether or not you get to stay in the business, like a trader. Trader is profit and loss. Nothing else matters, which is why you get guys like the Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> You know, if you make $50 million a year for the company, you can pretty much be as, as big of a diva as you want. If you're the nicest guy in the world and you lose $5 million, you're going to be looking for a job. On the other end, the, the harder and harder it becomes to point to something and say, that is entirely mine. I'm responsible for that number. This is my contribution to the organization. And it doesn't exist in strength coaches because the sport coach can affect injuries. The ATC can affect injuries. Uh, you know, a good sport coach can make a strength coach look like a genius and vice versa. The harder it becomes to do that and to demonstrate your contribution to the organization, the more it becomes about um, placating those that make the decisions, i.e. being liked. So you get these strength coaches in football that they realize that the guy hiring them looks for one set of qualities that has nothing to do with the job and they crank those qualities up to 11 out of 10 and then they realize that if this guy doesn't like them they could be the world's best strength coach but if he doesn't like them they're out of the job so then it becomes more about well let's say you're given a choice tell your boss what he wants to hear and get another year on the job at 500k a year or tell him that what he's doing in training is hurting the athletes and it needs to change which would you do Oh, I mean, anybody in their right mind is going to take the 500K and do, and do that. Yeah, which is why you get the, the circus act in football. Yeah, no doubt. And I, and definitely, I definitely see that. And it's, you know, luckily I'm, I'm out of that version of the, of the rat race. It's just like trying to like be something that I'm not. But I've also tried to tell my, my interns or like my assistants, like just, you know, you know, be yourself and, the, like the worst thing you want to do is just be something that you're forced to do, but okay. I've never been in a spot to make 500, half a million a year. Know, so that's, that's why I used to reframe it be to tell the school, like, cause they, I think it's, it's really, really weird. If you work at a school and you, let's say your hobby is being like a foodie or photography or playing the guitar, they think it's great that you have a hobby and you spend time on doing that. If your hobby is making money, suddenly they start to upset. They, they start to get upset about how much time you were spending on that and stuff like that. But hey, if I get to the point where I make enough money on the side that I don't need to do this job and I tell you something, it's because it's probably the truth. If me needing that paycheck and needing that money and I tell you something, do you know it's the truth or, or am I telling you because I need the money? No, that's exactly it. And, you know, let's talk about that a little bit. So you... When you, you said when you when you left Japan and came to America, you had quarter million dollars saved up. I don't care how much money you're making or how little money you're making to save up a quarter million is pretty impressive. So you have to know, at least know what you want to do with money. And then you're also, you know, you, you, what you're saying makes perfect business sense. So, A, where did that come from? And then B, um, what's some advice you'd give to those coaches like with COVID, all, a lot of people are leaving, going to either private sector or trying to do their own thing. And uh, being a business owner is probably even more tough than being a, a strength coach and working your way up just because what you eat was what you kill or what you kill what you eat and all that stuff. So it, it's it's tough. So where did your business 
IQ come from? And then what's some advice you'd tell to coaches who are trying to do their own thing? Poverty. <laughs> you know, again, again, I think it's, uh, how old are you? I'm 36. Yeah, same. So I think like for us, our parents' generation is the last generation where you could get a job and as long as you played the game, shut your mouth, didn't rock the boat, they would look after you and you'd get a pension at the end of it. I think for us, that is not the case. And it's certainly not the case with being a strength coach. So thinking about what's it all about, what's the end game, what am I working towards? At the very least, you don't want to run out of money um, by, by the end of things. You don't want to be on the street. You want to be able to look after your family and stuff like that. And I think you, you end up realizing that it sounds pessimistic and cutthroat, but the only person that you can rely on to do that 100% of the time is you. You're never going to fire yourself. So (laughs) if if you, if you can do that, it it actually, as you said, you've taken away the, the safety net, but you've also taken away the glass ceiling. So by taking on that additional downside, you expose yourself to the upside. So when you're an employee, the difference between your value and what you get paid is called profit. When you're a business owner, you take all of that. As you said, whatever you generate, you take away all your costs, whatever's left over, that's for you. So that that's um, the upside. I think if it, I read a book. Um, have you read it? It's called the the Almanac of Naval Ravikant. Uh, I'll take a look at yeah, that one. The Almanac yeah. of Naval Ravikant. It's actually free to download, but you can get the paperback for like twelve bucks. So it's this. Uh, he's like a tech investor, and oh yeah, I think I actually have heard of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he didn't set out to write a book, but it was a compilation of all of his podcasts, tweets, blogs, and somebody just put it in a book. And it was one of those books that I read in a day. I was at uh, Scott's place in uh, Arizona when he was there and I just sat by the pool and read it in a day. And it was, it was one of those things where he talks about the goal is um, lifetime wealth. So to me now, I'm, I'm starting to get to that age to be truly wealthy is where all of your, uh, living expenses, everything you want to do comes out of passive income. So it, somebody said, you're only, you're only wealthy when you live off the interest or you live off the, the passive income. So that's, that's the goal that I'm trying to work towards now. And of course you can do that by having a lot of, uh, of passive income. The other thing is also not living like a dickhead. So yeah. you just live like <laughs> yeah. a normal lifestyle. It obviously gets a little bit easier. Um, and as, as good as it can be to, to work for somebody else and to have a 401k and all that kind of stuff, the truth is that you don't get in that situation before the age of 65, 70 by working for somebody else. You're going to have to go out and um, there's a guy called Jason Kalkanis and he said there's three ways to get that amount of money. One is to be a virtuoso performer. The other is to be an allocator of capital. And the third is to be a business owner. And I'm not good at the first two. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to do. And for for people that are trying to own a business, there's a hard lesson that you 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 tend to learn, which is scale hours for dollars. So if you're a personal trainer, or you drive a cab, or I, I don't know other 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 jobs, if you want to double your output, you typically have to double your hours there's going to be an upper limit to what people will pay for your services. Um, so you're, you're going to have to double your output and double your hours. 
it's even worse as a strength coach because if you double your hours as a salaried strength coach, what happens to your hourly rate? It halves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It goes yeah. down, you don't, you don't right? get a pay raise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's no increase whatsoever. So if if you have to pick between the two, be the hourly personal trainer rather than the salaried strength coach. But the the wealth comes from the scale. So trying to find activities where you're uncoupling input and output. So for example, Strength Coach Network, whether we have 100 members, 500, 1,000, 5,000, it's the same work for me, reason, within reason. And um, I think that's, it's harder to do. The, the return for those activities over time is exponential. So this is, this is the seduction. I was talking to a friend, he's just moved to LA. And he said, oh, he's, he's done some stuff online. And he's like, right, I'm going to start training clients. Because, you know, in LA, 150 bucks an hour, whatever. I was like, build online. He goes, yeah, but I can get 1500 a month doing clients. I said, yeah, but if you build the online stuff, you'll make 1500 a day and you won't have to leave your house. So it's like the curve for return for the business stuff is like this. And for the hourly, it's like straight away, you're getting that money. So it's it can be difficult. Oh, yeah. You nailed it on the head. And I... I- I mean, I mean, you know how it is to have assistants or interns, like they're struggling. I'm like, look, go get a job. Like you go, if you really want to figure this out, find somebody that's going to pay you what you're worth or, uh, you know, get a, get a job and like work, you know, work your way through it, part of it. But, um, the one thing I always tell them is scale. Cause they're like, Oh, I, I could just go be a, you know, a personal trainer. I was like, your time is your, mo- your money's your time. Like you're already you, tired. Yeah. Like you're already, <laughs> yeah, you're already tired and then you're getting paid like you won't get paid if that person doesn't show up, but, or like I told him, we luckily have enough to have team builder and team builder with COVID going on really worked on their payment portal and everything. You'd be like, look, you could write 20 versions of that program and not have to lift a finger. And I always try to get them to understand scale or like being able to replicate yourself. So you're not always doing that work. And uh, hopefully it sticks with uh, the, the SCN or any, anybody else that we're talking to is like, Hey, like, find a way to scale yourself. Cause I mean, if we're, if not, you're stuck in that perpetual loop of like, I have to go to work to get paid. Or like you said, as a strength coach, we double our hours in, we just half our rate every year, every, every hour. So um, yeah, brilliant stuff. That's actually, you know, uh, it's good to see, you know, some common sense business being used out there. And especially with, with strength and conditioning, and I hope you don't get too much flack because I know at one point being a younger strength coach, you'd be like, oh, that guy wrote a book or that guy's doing something. He's like a sellout. And now on this side of the thing, I'm looking at, it, I was like, that guy's taking care of his bread. You know, he's, he's just trying to let the market decide. Like, yeah, exactly. This is the thing. I think yeah, I've spoken to a couple of people where they're, they're relatively timid about that. And one is, you know, the market's going to decide. And the second thing is, you know, like these are good people that have, you know, like I know a guy coaching in the champions league and he's worried about putting himself out there. I'm like, listen, dude, that money is going to end up in somebody else's pocket, somebody's pockets one way or another. If you believe that you're doing good work and you have honest intentions, it's better that it ends up in your pockets than somebody else's. And if you don't believe you have honest intentions and you're not worth a shit, you should quit now. So <laughs> you're still doing this. You should open your pockets. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, you know, it's fun to go on strength coach Twitter. Sometimes I, I tend to like go venture there when Instagram gets a little boring. Cause you see what kind of fire is going on in the strength coach Twitter. But, uh, 
I mean, you nailed it on the head when uh, a coach was saying, you know, slept in a car and, and essentially it seemed like from an outsider's perspective, I don't know the coach, but um, chose poverty or chose really hard life versus choosing to be, you know, like there's other ways to do it. Like why force yourself to go through some if I unnecessary. Knew that one of my interns or colleagues was sleeping in their car, they would be on my couch the next night. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, it happened to one of my interns too, but I didn't know, like they said, and then when she told me, I was like, look, let's get you an apartment. Let's find you somewhere else to be. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of what I'm seeing everywhere. I had a, a former assistant. He made it into the league. Like he made it into NFL and they didn't pay the team that he worked with didn't pay him anything. They're paying maybe a thousand bucks a month. And I'm like, you're a multi-billion dollar business. And you have one of maybe 100 of your staff, like living in the basement of some of your players, because you're not willing to part with, you know, a $10,000. So I think it's a unique prospect to know business or like you said, it's, it's the money's going to go in somebody's pocket. So it might as well be yours. If you, if your intentions are like noble or not, you know, I know, I know a guy, he, he coaches in, uh, for a, an SEC team and uh, he, he coaches with a guy that, that played in the NFL. And now he said he drives a Maybach. He, he owns a timeshare and a private jet and he owns a weed dispenser and he just coaches like college football for fun. And I thought that's, that's, that's the way to live. That's the life. Yeah. We'll be right back. Woodway is a company that has been designing and building treadmills and equipment for the long run since 1974. Each of their treadmills is designed with the revolutionary slap belt running surface, which is both lightweight and durable. It is specifically designed to absorb energy at the point of impact, eliminating harmful shock to joints and connective tissues. 100% of the NFL, NBA, and MLB teams and 60% of NHL teams utilize Woodway products to optimize their training. Woodway's curved treadmill was released in 2009 and boasts a completely self-powered manual training experience that does not require any electricity. This unique piece of equipment allows athletes to run at any pace they choose and burn up to 30% more calories than the regular treadmill. Other unique offerings from Woodway include the Curve Trainer, Curve XL, Forefront, and Pro Treadmills. Each treadmill offers features that are fit for every athlete. The silent and energy efficient product from Woodway has resulted in 50% electricity savings for owners. If you're looking for equipment that is built to last and will improve and provide each of your athletes an experience like no other, check out Woodway today at woodway.com. Is it something that we're teaching them or is it a kind of an old school mentality from in our past that, I don't know, do, are we choosing to be martyrs? You think, or are like, like what's, how can we better that with the younger up and coming coaches or even ourselves, like trying to take care of ourselves because it's kind of like, like you said, I, I think we're either choosing or it's instilled in us when we're up and coming to be like, Oh, struggle. This is, you have to, earn your stripes. You have to be that guy or that girl that hated life for a long time before you can get to somewhere you want to be. I think, yeah. I mean, as you, as you mentioned that, that kind of discourse is to say, you know, this, this is not how it has to be. I think there's that. 
I think there's the education piece because I, any business uh, experience or acumen I've managed to accumulate, I had to, I had to, you know, get it. I, I certainly wasn't taught it. And uh, it's been a long point. It's been a long road getting to this point. And then I think, you know, I, I feel like it's going to be one of these uh, self-fulfilling things where if we get good people in positions of influence, you can, you know, build it better than when you arrived. And, um, you know, I, I have tried to do that when I've, when I've been certain places like, hey, I'm not going to post an intern position unless I get this, this, and this guaranteed for whoever gets it, making sure that they have places to live and, and stuff like that. So no doubt. definitely. All right. So let's talk memes. When you go for the meme, are you thinking I'm go, go for the jugular on this one? Or are you thinking like, Hey, this is just the truth and somebody has to say it. Who in medieval times used to tell the King the truth? Nobody. The jester. Hey, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Cause he's wearing a funny hat. He wouldn't get his head cut off. So you, I'll show you this book for sure. It's about media manipulation. Trust me. I'm lying. Right. A good message without attention in the first place is as good as no message. So in order for me to persuade you that I'm right about something, I need to get your attention first and strong emotional reactions one way or another on social media, grab attention. And unfortunately the nature of social media is that outrage outperforms happiness about three to one. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's three to one, but my, you know, I definitely, I know what I'm doing, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll put the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit where, Hey, this is probably, this is my opinion. I'm also going to try and frame it in a funny way. And I'm also going to try and grab your attention. And then once I've earned your attention, I'm probably going to put, you know, it's like me, 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 educational post, me, 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 educational post kind of thing. I think it's good though. I mean, any decent strength coach will understand and see where, where you're coming from. I know I do. Cause I'm always shooting my staff, like some of your memes. I'm just like, look, he, he, boy got it again. He got it right on the nose on, <laughs> on that one. But uh, it, has it helped? Do you think, or take notice for, I mean, you have no problem talking with, or to like the NSCA, the CSCC, the UK, SCA, all that other, all of our governing bodies were, I mean, you're asking very plausible questions that I think most of us want to know. Like they're not, they're not governing bodies. If, if, if they're, if the CSCCA is a governing body, why is Rick court still considered to be a master coach after running an athlete to death? Not, not, not governing shit. That's, that's the thing is like, you know, that's, that's one example that really, really disappointed me. And I, I had an, an assistant when this happened He's, he emailed the head of the CSCCA and said, what is your position statement on the outcome of the Maryland report, given that the individual in question is a master coach, according to your um, organization? And he said, oh, we're going to wait for it to come out before we uh, make a, a public statement. It came out and he said, what's your statement? He said, oh, we, we have no further statement to make. Go on that website. The last time I looked on that website, he's still a master coach. 
So that to me is a colossal uh, failing. And, you know, I think if you, if you look at how that organization came into being, it was basically a bunch of guys that didn't want to get the CSCS. So they formed their little club. And then the qualification to be a master coach is, have you been coaching for 12 years and do they like you enough to let you in the club? That's not mastery. That's being liked and survival. So I think those, those kind of things is, is, and you know, I'll say it, the reason people don't say it publicly is because they don't want to get blackballed. Same reason they don't tell guys, you know, putting out ridiculous statements on social media in football that, you know, it takes five minutes of research. No, you're wrong. And here's the data. And you're being negative and bringing the profession into disrepute. No, you're just not saying that because you hope this person's going to hire you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. We're just, we are dangle the carrot and we're just trying to make sure we uh, do our best to get that shot at it and making sure we appease the people holding it. Now, I mean, why, well, you know, like I'm sure there are players in the NFL that felt like Colin Kaepernick did. And they saw what happened to Colin Kaepernick and they said nothing. Yeah, exactly. I get it. I yeah. Get it. yeah, no doubt. And do you think a solution is to create one unifying governing body like the MDs or the ATCs? Or is it kind of just like, look, it's a free for all? No, I, I feel like that's actually the, the wrong direction to go because there's a, this, uh, it's a bit of a mindfuck, this book that I read. It's called The, the Sovereign Individual, but it's, uh, it talks about monopolies. So anytime you have a monopoly, the monopoly exists to serve those in possession of the monopoly, not the, the customers, because you see it all the time with uh, trains. If you want to get a train in America, you're going to pay Amtrak, whether you like it or not. If you don't like it, walk or ride a bike or whatever. So what incentive does Amtrak have to listen to your feedback as a customer about the timeliness, the cleanliness, the level of service, all that kind of stuff. Um, you, you, they're the only game in town. You must give them your money if you want to ride the train. So they have no incentive to listen. They have no incentive to, to improve. The same is true with uh, governing bodies like that. So actually, ironically, I think the US is a step ahead of the UK and Australia because those organizations exist in complete vacuums. So if you look at the uh, assessment criteria of the UKSCA, publicly and privately, you can get assessors and senior assessors from that organization say, yeah, this is not good enough. It doesn't reflect what the, the profession needs. This needs to change, blah, 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 blah. I had those conversations 10 plus years ago, and it's still not changed because they cannot be incentivized by the marketplace to listen to customers that are going to vote with their feet and vote with their wallets. So the fact that there are two organizations that at least in the U S is a, is a positive um, step in the right direction. I think what needs to happen is there needs to be a distinction between accreditation and education. So here's the thing about accreditation and education accreditation. Who do you think it serves? It should serve the people. It should serve coaches, right? Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. By erecting a barrier to entry, the accreditation protects the end user, which is the athlete. 
if we set a high enough barrier, the cowboys won't get through. They won't be able to hurt kids, right? So they, they serve the athletes. It's the educators that serve coaches. So my incentive as the accreditor is to set a high bar to keep people out and to say, look, look how high the standard is. This qualification is super valuable. You've earned it. If I'm the educator, I actually want that bar to be as low as possible or to help as many people as possible over that barrier. If you pay me for education, you're going to say, wow, that was great. Tell all your friends and they bring their money and so on. But me as the educator, I am watering down that accreditation. So there are two conflicting interests. One wants the bar higher. The other wants the bar lower. So if you act as both a creditor and educator, you're controlling both sides of the market. So I said, it's like cranking up the, the, the heat in a nightclub and then turning around and selling bottled water and saying, fuck, isn't it hot? Right. <laughs> so if you imagine you want to be a stockbroker, there's a body that does the series seven exam. And there's all these different companies that compete within the marketplace to educate prospective stockbrokers. Same thing I think needs to happen in coach education. If there is going to be one body, it can be an accreditor only and they can't then write the education because what happens is as well, these companies will turn around and say, well, of course, you are welcome to compete with us in education and let the market decide. But the difference is you write the test, you've seen the answers, what are you going to do with your education? That's not a fair marketplace. You're going right back to your business roots, man. That's, that's some, <laughs> you're, you're a, a brilliant dude. And that, that makes perfect sense, you know, separate it. So you're not, yeah. you know, Church like and state. A, yeah, exactly. Definitely. Um, so, and just a few more questions. So what's the advice you'd give to the younger coach? Some like realistic advice to those that are still haven't become completely like disillusioned to like what our profession is. What's some advice that you'd give to those coaches? Just have your eyes open. You, you said being disillusioned. I think when I have conversations like this, people think that it must, it must've been a horrible, you know, 12 years or 10 years, but when it's going right, it is the greatest job in the world. And there are memories that you're going to, going to take with you for the rest of your life. And it, it can be awesome. What it is, is you have to go in with your eyes open. And if you accept the realities of the job as they are, you're asking yourself as well, what can you do to mitigate against this so that you get to enjoy more of the upside and less of the downside? Um, I think that is, that is one thing. It, it, you can wring your hands about the state of the world or you can meet it as it is head on. Yeah. No doubt. And then what about some advice for the director, somebody that's in that captain's chair, somebody that can affect our profession and affects, you know, a few coaches lives, you know, if they're bringing on assistance or whatnot, what's uh, some advice for that director? Uh, ask why, ask why everything is first principles, boil it down. What is it we're trying to do? And will the decision I'm about to make move us closer towards or further from that goal? Not, oh, he worked at Alabama, hiring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Now, if you could pick up the phone and call Kier from 10 years ago, what would you tell him? I wouldn't. No? No. Not, not a single thing? No, because if 
if I would change anything now, I'm saying that I don't like where I ended up. And if I don't like where I am now, I have the power to change it. No doubt. No doubt. Now, what's something you got coming up in the next year you're looking forward to, or if there's anything you want to shout out on the SCN, um, well, you know, what's something you're excited about in 2022? I mean, we just dropped uh, Fundamentals 2, but I think what we're going to do is take a little break on that. So what we're thinking about doing is we've, we've previously done self-directed courses, but thinking about doing a cohort-based course this off-season for football. So it's not just going to be the, the physical prep side of things. It is going to be hopefully a complete 360. Here's how you prepare a, an organization, a team for football. And we're going to bring in tons of people from the NFL, Power Five, all that kind of stuff. And um, take a group of coaches through that over you know a couple of months. I think that's, that's one thing that I'm hoping to produce this year. So we'll see. And no doubt that's uh, something exciting to look forward to. Now, if our any of our listeners are sleeping under a rock and they don't know how to find you on uh, the social media outlet, you want to give your, uh, give your website and social media outlet a shout out right now. So I, I tend to separate between me and Strength Coach Network. So I try not to make myself the face of that uh, for a variety of reasons. So if you, if you want the, the business, it's Strength Coach Network. And if you want me, it's rugby strength coach. Absolutely. Hey, I appreciate you coming on and, and being candid. Like it's just, it's great. And I knew, I knew I've been wanting to get you on for a while. And I knew when I took over the, the podcast from coach McKeefrey, I knew I had to, had to get you on. And I, I was able to differentiate. I was like, I know this guy doesn't like just to throw rocks at the beehive and get things going. Like there's, there's a lot of truth. There's I mean, actually, sometimes I do do it for my own entertainment. Yeah, but, no doubt, yeah, <laughs> doubt. but for the most part, there's truth in everything you say. And I think that's why it's so polarizing because we know like, all right, what he said is true. Like, and we're, what are we going to do to fix it? So, you know, I appreciate you coming on and, and tell us a little bit about your experience. And then also you're a, a brilliant businessman. So I think it's good that we're trying to enterprise or show how to scale and take care of yourself in, in, in strength conditioning. I think it's important. So thanks for coming on and helping us out with that. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Thank you very much. Cheers. Good luck with everything. Thank you. If you're a strength coach or trainer and tired of using Excel, then you need to check out Team Builder. You already know who they are. Team Builder is the online strength conditioning software for strength coaches and personal trainers. No matter what your setting is or how many athletes you're training, you can log into Team Builder and write programs, build questionnaires, and access athlete and client performance data. Go completely paperless and program through Team Builder's TV mode, their weight review function, or the mobile app that comes free with every subscription. Start your 14-day trial for free today by using the promo code CHALK, that's promo code C-H-A-L-K, to become part of the hashtag Team Builder Nation alongside with six NCAA national champions, three NCAA runner-ups, Super Bowl champions, and many other championship teams. With affordable subscriptions for personal trainers to personal organizations and professional organizations, everything in between, Team Builder is a company that puts the customer first. If you're still not convinced, schedule a 30-minute demo with Team Builder Expert on teambuilder.com and see what they could offer you. Hewitt and the staff at Team Builder are standout individuals and their product is phenomenal. Check them out. Thanks everyone for listening. 
Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.